This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Yeah, you caught me, dude. I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. Aw, <laughs> yeah. It's that time again for another bi-weekly podcast with your hosts, Rotten Roger DeMarco and... Evil, and, and I tried to destroy him, Roger, but I fucked up. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> fucked up. Uh, you did the opposite of destroy him, Evil. This week, <laughs> we are here. We are back to uh, Forest Green. It's not Camp Crystal Lake. It's not Pakanak. It's not Higgins It's all Haven. the same to him. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you call it, goddammit. <laughs> it's 1986's Jason Lives. Fan favorite. We're, we're almost halfway through the series now. <laughs> almost being almost. the key. Almost. One away from halfway about. <laughs> I, fuck it, we're halfway. Jesus, there's so many of these movies, but that's okay. <laughs> that's great. Because we love them, and um, this movie is no exception. So, before we get this ball rolling, Evil, do you want to let the good folks at home know a brief plot synopsis of Jason Lives, and then we can get this shindig underway. Jason is still dead from part four. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That tickled me. That really tickled me. (laughs) He is still a dead man. And because of Tommy Jarvis's sloppy ass <laughs> ass, he resurrects a zombie that is haunting Crystal Lake to this very day. Uh, you definitely fucked up, Tommy Jarvis, you stupid son of a bitch, who all of a sudden looks way younger than he did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does. He looks definitely a different age. Than the previous older him uh, <laughs> looked. And this is the most popular. I feel like this, outside of part four, if you ask people what is your favorite Friday the 13th movie in the series, part six gets a lot of the attention because it is a considered, at least I think, a huge fan favorite. Oh, yeah. Shout out to our good buddy, channel supporter, also our very own killer in our movie, Snarls Barkley, Dylan Weeks, whatever you want to call him. This is his bread and butter he loves this movie so hopefully we can do it justice for him we've covered this on our channel i believe we did a live stream on this we did about a year ago and uh you know so we have covered this movie extensively and we're going to give you the abridged version of that so we're gonna yeah we'll give you our thoughts on this movie from 1986 a year after we did a live stream over this movie in 1986 (laughs) Now, this one, you know, I've, I talked about it in passing weeks, how this one feels newer than certain movies in the franchise, uh, namely Part 7 to me. It always feels like Part 7 goes back in time, and that Part 6 feels like a 90s movie. And that might be the uh, the fact that a lot of it's in the daylight, the fact that, uh, you know, we have a very MTV poppin' soundtrack, um, we do. I don't know what it is, man, but it's it's a combination of all of these things that make me go, this is a, like a 90s movie, right? Or this is 90s Jason Voorhees? I'm going to put all that on the director, Tom McLaughlin. I feel like that is all shit that is his vision yeah. of how he wanted to do this, which I know one of the, the directions he got was uh, he wanted to have fun with this movie. And they're like, that's fine. You just can't make fun of Jason. Right. He's like... I don't think I would anyway, so cool. Mm-hmm. And Tom McLaughlin, or however you want to pronounce it. I, uh, McLaughlin, McLaughlin. Yeah. He, Tommy. He is a, uh, he's like a punk rock dude, big into like the Ramones and Misfits and stuff like that. Uh, he looks like one of also, them. Also, you know, is a guitar player himself. He's a, he's a, like a, uh, a big punk guy, but he's also a big like Universal's monster guy, hammer horror you know, he likes that old gothic stuff, and uh, he brought a little... He's that, uh, he's that type of guy who already has his plot purchased for at the Hollywood Cemetery. Yes. Um, but he wanted to kind of pay homage to those older 
creature features, if you will. So this movie has a very uh, Frankenstein-like opener. Oh, it, it's almost plagiarism, <laughs> but in a fun way. It's a lie. Uh, yeah, it's you a literally, lie. you literally have Jason is is deader than shit. <laughs> you have Tommy and what's supposed to be Shavar Ross, but his dad's like. Nah, you're not going to bring my son in to give him fucking killed in the opening scene here with his heart ripped out mm-hmm. through his back. Uh, get somebody else in there. So they bring in TV's Horseshack to fill those shoes. Uh, Tommy's, for whatever reason, you know, a decade later convinced that Jason is still a thing. Yeah. And he's not in hell. And the only way to put him in hell is to dig him up <laughs> and set his body on fire. Which he abandons later in the movie and is like, nah, nah, I was, I was wrong. I was way off. We should just, we should just throw him back in the lake. This is also, you know, just poor planning on the part of Tommy. It's not like there was a deadline. You, you didn't have to burn that body that day. You could have just looked up at the clouds and went, I think it's, it's pr- probably gonna rain, or you know, just turn the dial on the fucking radio and listen to the forecast. Let be like, tomorrow's supposed to be like seventy-six and sunny. Then we'll scorch that fucker. You know, like... I would love a if we had a 90-minute movie just of those two guys and him trying to convince Horseshack not to freak out. Like, all right, we got to pick him up. we got to load him into the back of the truck. we got to drive him to the lake, back the truck, into the lake. <laughs> pull him out. Pull him out of the flatbed. Drag him floating into the water. And then, like, have Horseshack, like, jump on him or something so he sinks. <laughs> hear, hear me out. Planes, trains, and automobiles, but then it then Jason <laughs> lives starts. You finally did it to yourself. <laughs> All I have is a diner's club card. Yeah, so we get we get their whole journey. Like we we get those two. All right, fuck Horshack. I want Del Griffith, <laughs> Tommy Jarvis, reading the Canadian Mounted on the drive uh, to the cemetery. You really think this vehicle is uh, road safe or whatever the fucking line is? Yes, yes, I do. You don't have any any signals. No, not on one. You don't know how fast you're going. The speedometer's melted. <laughs> radio comes yeah, in clear radio as still works. If you can believe that. Uh, Jesus Christ. You see, that's that's the Jason Lives we all need and deserve. But uh, no, this movie's fantastic. It was a, you know, we talked about it in passing in in the past five episodes about how. Jason Lives is a fan favorite, and f- for all the right reasons. It's such a fun movie. It's it's so cranked up and uh, just wild. Getting Jason in broad daylight, stomping around, fucking people up. He is now a pop culture icon. He's got music videos about him, you know? I mean... Yeah, you got the Alice Cooper, the man behind the mask music video... And song with the movie mm-hmm. it, made for him by him. It's transcendent. So yeah, it's, yep, he is officially on the next level now. Yeah, so with this with this movie, eighty six. Um, so just a little bit ahead of the curve as far as um, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, uh, or I mean, uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like Elm Street was eighty seven when they got docked. Yeah. So this Friday got there first. Yeah. And uh, started this kind of trend of these these movies getting soundtracks and music videos that were played on MTV because MTV was like blowing up eighty six eighty seven, you know. Um, Which leaves me with the question: Why didn't Halloween four get the same treatment? Where's the Halloween four hair metal song? That's true. Why didn't we get? One? Why didn't it get it? We're going to have to look into that when we cover the Halloween franchise as to why there wasn't some kind of badass, like, uh, yeah, why didn't, like, fucking rat, White snake. Yeah, rat do a cover <laughs> of Mr. Sandman or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> why isn't White Snake's Here I Go Again Michael's real theme for part four? Because <laughs> he's back after ten years. Oh, my God. See, that's... That's good shit. All right, that's a fan edit. Somebody out there, (laughs) make it happen because we need it in our lives. Uh, Of all the music videos, tribute videos on YouTube, you'd think that there'd be a Here I Go Again on my own (laughs) Michael Myers tribute, but it's all like Atreyu and fucking Drowning Pool and shit. 
Hey, I like Journey. I do too. Hey, there, we there can there can be one now. We can have one done now. <laughs> and I don't know what is up. Michael Myers, what's the stick up his ass? He can't be with everybody else and do a, a fucking music video tie-in like <laughs> the rest of this, the horror icons do. I mean, shit. Uh, borderline Leatherface does. Yeah. In part three, we have some we have the metal music laser going rocket. On in there. We have the laser rocket song called Leatherface. It's your yeah. invitation to come join Leatherface. And here's we got and fucking Hellraiser had a Motorhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and surprisingly, when we did when they did Halloween Resurrection, they didn't have Busta Rhymes do a Halloween rap. Could you just imagine Michael Myers like, like, what the doing fuck? a hip hop dance you, in a video? You had two rappers in that series, him and LL Cool J, mm-hmm. and neither one did a song about the movie. Yeah, we needed Will Smith in this so we could have a fucking music movie song. Yeah, well, I mean, and then LL even did you know Deepest Bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. Boy, we got sidetracked as a motherfucker. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, we need more. We're talking about the pioneer of music, a uh, popular music and horror franchises, which. We guess uh, we've we found mm-hmm. discovered that it started with Friday the Thirteenth. It's a may not, it may be a copy of Halloween, but goddamn it, it's a pioneer, and we're gonna tie in the MTV era with with our franchise because we know our audience. Damn right, <laughs> you guys are uh, uh, old men just like us out there listening to us babble on. But uh, <clears throat> this movie, to me, I think has the uh, the best pace. Friday the 13th wise and in the whole franchise dude like I know I've told you about this before this is a movie that like it's an any type any time of day movie because there really is no nudity there is that half ass sex scene there's a sex scene yeah. but you don't see anything um but it's so fast it feels like an hour and 10 minute movie it feels like it's it's I put it in the same category as uh, Return of the Living Dead it feels like as soon as you start it it's over I mean, it's essentially the same time frame. It's it literally, I think, it takes place over a day. Yeah, one. So day. it's same as Return of the Living Dead. Like those are always good movies to me. Movies that take place literally over the course of one day, and what a fucking day it is. <laughs> uh, also, I think this has a really good cast all around too. Really likable kids, which we haven't had since Part Four, in my opinion. I love Part Four. <laughs> so, but yeah, this movie's filled with them. Yeah, even even like the character that you traditionally aren't supposed to go with, the sheriff of the town mm-hmm. is always like a stick in the mud, like get the fuck out of here with your Jason bullshit. But this is the one of the only times the sheriff is competent. Yeah. And likable. Yeah, and a hard and, ass. Yeah, a hard ass. And when he he goes out in Raj's favorite style, like to save somebody else, going out on his shield, and you feel bad when he dies. Yeah. So, uh, he, okay, we might as well get into it. Brown Panty Award. Uh, mine is uh, Sissy getting her head twisted off. I I can totally understand that, and that's an that's an added kill, like in in the OG cut. She did not uh, have that bad of a of a kill. Like they beef that up when they're like, "We need three more kills added." Uh, when when it was all cut together and done, so her head twisting off was the addition. So she just got yanked out of the window originally, and they were like, "That's good enough." Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Well, I'm like she's just yanked out of the window, but her head getting twisted around the way it does. That's the. That's the uh, quote-unquote beefing up of her death that they decided to add. Well, I'm in. glad they did that because I feel like uh, just yanking her out of the window, that's probably not sufficient, you know? Eh, I mean, it's all right. And mine, I can't think of her name, but the other counselor that's with Sissy. Mm-hmm. What is her name? Do you remember her name? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as many times as we see, we should know these names, but I don't know her name either. But it's the counselor that's with Sissy, playing the cards, that uh, is comforting uh, the little girl Nancy, having the nightmares. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's another one you don't see really what happens to her, except her thrown to. out, partially out of a window, pulled back in, and then you, at the later you see Sheriff Garris open the door to her cabin, 
and it's like the body just fucking explodes. It looks like Glenn's bedroom in Nightmare on Elm Street. Y- yeah. It's bad. That, so, so she gets my uh, brown panty achievement. It's like, man, she did literally, absolutely nothing wrong. Very likable. And she got, and she got probably the most violent death. Mm-hmm. And it's shot in the best way because uh, another thing I will I'll always go back to is if Rob Zombie made this shit, we would have seen the entire murder going down. Yeah. But we just see like two seconds of it, and then the rest is all rest of it is all left up to your mm-hmm. mind, and that's always going to make way worse things than what you could be shown. Yeah. So her death is always like, God damn, really? We couldn't couldn't let that one go. Yeah, I was going to say. Why didn't we let that one go? Um, that's one thing that you will hear us bring up occasionally. Uh, I mean, we're we're gorehounds. Don't get me wrong. We love a good prosthetic. We love a good violent kill that's silly and kind of over the top. If it's creative, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you will hear us say on occasion that less is more, right? And yeah. um, Sometimes, like you already said, what you don't see, your mind makes ten times worse. And she probably has one of the most visceral kills in the franchise. And it's completely off screen with the exception of tossed like through the window and then back in. That's really yeah, all like you see. Her top half, get, like her head gets slammed out from the inside out of a window. And at the waistline, she kind of falls out the window. And then Jason pulls her body back in like he's not done with yeah. her and that that's all you see and that alone is like Jesus Christ mm-hmm. uh, that's what something the asshole of the film deserves to get which there's not really there's no anybody asshole. I would put Pastori. in the asshole category Pastori. you know he's an asshole but he doesn't ever die he doesn't die he's not really an asshole he's just a he's a fucking goober yeah, he's a well he's a he's a goober <laughs> deputy um, he's a total goober <laughs> And that's and he lives. Yeah, he lives through this movie. And that's what's great. Well, I guess all the assholes are on the paintball team. You know, they get fucked up. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You got the very, you have the one dude who's like the dumb broad. That's the that's your asshole of the movie. Yeah, which it's hard to give him that award because he's hardly he has a scene mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's your only guy I can think of that gets that that distinction. Yeah, which is what's so good about this movie and. Uh, when uh, Tommy made this movie, right, his, uh, I feel like his heart was definitely in the right place of being like, well, I'm going to kind of dial up, and this might have kind of set the tone for guys like Adam Green and Joe Lynch, because it's, this isn't a parody movie. This is still very much a horror movie, but it's the beginning of that. It's a horror comedy, because Jason himself is scary. Like you said, throwing her head first out of the window halfway, yanking her back in. Like, when you see Jason, you know you're in trouble. You never see Jason and go, ha with the exception of him getting shot with the paintball. You get a chuckle out of that, but then you go, well, that guy's dead, you know? So, <laughs> um, it, it's a weird, it's a super weird, ultra-fine line to to shoot a movie to where it's portrayed in the way where the joke of it comes from the audience. Yes. And solely with the audience. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. No one on screen is in on any joke at all. Yeah. But it's strictly there for an audience member. That is such a weird way to, A, describe it and even harder to pull off. Yeah, because... All of the characters, even though they have some funny dialogue and stuff, uh, which you'll hear Evil and I bring this up, it's a reoccurring thing with us, is that it's played straight. These characters don't realize that they're not the smartest people at the lake. You know what I mean? They don't realize they're making poor decisions. They don't realize that they are just destined to die. Um, So... The way that they're handling the legend of Jason, the way that they're handling every single situation um, is played straight and not played for laughs, which gets the audience to laugh. So it's a weird animal that the, you know, and I feel like it, that tone started here and then 
you know, um, a lot of movies started to kind of dip their toe into that horror comedy. Uh, some yeah. some shot too far, you know. Some some take <laughs> it way too far, and then others find that perfect blend. Which again, I'm gonna bring Adam, up. Adam Green knows the formula. He made a career out yeah. of it. <laughs> well, and that uh, you know, even Return of the Living Dead. The, they're my two examples. Are Jason Lives and like Return of the Living Dead for that like '80s horror comedy. You know what I mean? Perfect. Both star Tom Matthews. Coincidence? I think not. No. Uh, and yeah, this is chock full of uh, good lines that you'll want to repeat. Like the one that always <laughs> sticks with me is uh, is uh, John Travolta's nephew, and you can totally see the Travoltaness oh, in him. Oh God, uh, he's the one with the uh, the pants that look like a hand grenade went off in him. <laughs> oh, Court, Court. Yeah, I love when he's driving the RV, and all he can just keep saying is, "This is great." I've <laughs> <such laughs> never a driven a house before. This is this is great. This is this is great. Woo! Out of here! <laughs> Were you back there taking a dump? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great scene too. Um, Gets that fucking Rambo knife through the side of his head. And Cordy had a knife and jammed get, in his skull. And you get that iconic shot of the RV flipping over, which is just funny if you're Go a behind-the-scenes freak like us. Because if you'll notice on the top of that RV, there's a giant swamp cooler <laughs> that is a several hundred dollar swamp cooler that, like the producer, is the like the producer of the movie. Oh yeah, he was like, eyeballing it. He was very much like cost cutting every measure he could on every little thing, making everyone's life a pain in the dick. <laughs> and then they everyone got like word that oh he really wants that swamp cooler when the when the production he was playing the prop game before the prop game existed (laughs) yes maybe the originator of the prop game he's like i'm gonna take this motherfucker with me so they're like strap that fucking thing to the top of that rv when they flip it later in the production (laughs) so when that thing flips watch the top of that rv you'll see that cooler kind of fly off and just smash the smithereens on the concrete. Just imagine what was happening on the other side of the camera. Just imagine that. Just (laughs) cheering people like, ah, ha, 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 you ain't cooling shit in that now, motherfucker. (laughs) You better get some duct tape. Um, And the best is if you watch Crystal Lake Memories, they talk about this story, and right then they smash cut to that producer, and he just goes, ah. (laughs) Really wanted that cooler. Still hurts him. It still hurts him. I love it. I love it so much. Um... Man, <laughs> that's the good shit. And I, I think you might be right. I think that really is truly the origination. Is that the right word? Origination? Uh, origination. Origination. I'm just making shit up. I don't know. Um, like like Clum. Clum. That's where the prop game came from. Because I rem- it's got to be, right? Because we, we talked about how uh, that's a weird thing to want from the movie. And then... You know, I I will divulge this side sidebar a little bit. It it literally uh, it came from a Kevin Smith story. Okay. Where he's he was on I believe it was one of his podcasts where he was talking about uh, the movie Jaws. Mm. And he was talking with somebody and saying, "Man, if I could just take anything home from the production of that movie, I'd want one of the yellow barrels." Nice. I really want one of the yellow barrels to take home. And that's what got my wheels turned to be like, that'd be a, a fun little game to play is what if we just name a movie and the other person has to figure out something that they would want to take home from that movie. And that it started with that is the idea. Then it was, that was a thing we did to kill time at shows or oh, yeah. anytime you got like 15, 20 minutes of like, all right, we got a little bit of time to kill. Prop game, uh, Back to the Future Part Two. Mm, yep, that's and exactly. <laughs> now it's in its now it's in its final form as a segment at the end of our deep cut podcasts. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, now you know, and knowing's half the battle. But it took took what almost thirty episodes to explain how this yep. thing came about, yep. where it officially originated from. Well, thank you, Kevin Smith, if you're listening. I know you're not, <laughs> but. Uh, you, know, you never know. He could be listening to this right hey, now, being like, crew, these guys. We got crew that I know who these guys are. We got crew that works closely with Kevin Smith, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Maybe he's looking for new podcasts and discovers us, and then we blow yes, up. No, maybe we <laughs> should. Maybe when this drops, we should let a certain somebody know that hey, we talk about Kevin Smith in this episode about twenty or so minutes in. <laughs> maybe you could pass that on maybe. to him. 
go go gadget kevin smith take me with <laughs> you no um, <laughs> uh so back to friday the 13th part six aka jason lives um the first for the first time we get it's the only time we really get him uh one of the most one of the iconic jason actors cj grant yeah he does a great job and that dude i and he's one of those few guys that play jason that's as equally or more terrifying out of the makeup than in oh, cuz he's a big dude he was like an army he's a guy muscular or some dude shit, wasn't he i don't know he's like a former marine and now he's got like sleeve tattoos done like just just a fucking just brick shit house of a guy yeah he is a tank um and you will notice that there are scenes in the movie or scene in particular where scene. jason looks a little doughy he looks a little he looks a little <laughs> he looks like me he looks like well, it's like a normal <laughs> dude right and uh that was because they had hired somebody else and you know via phone and uh glossy 8x10 sent through the mail type of deal, the dude was in good shape, then shows up to do the movie and they're like, oh shit, he's a, a little out of shape. He's not that bad. No, he's they, really not. You know, They fat shame the fuck out of this poor guy. A, that's why which, I said normal guy. He's a, yeah. a normal build guy, you know. Um, and that's his one scene is what, the, him just stomping through the woods? Yeah. Uh, it's the paintball scene. He's chunky. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. So he's the, you know, the Jason is a little chunky. And I think, you know, part of that also is the fact that you got a big, uh, you know, foam latex cowl fucking glued to you that probably went down, you know, to the shoulders and a portion of the yeah. chest. So, you know, there's there's added stuff going on there. And He's a hunky boy. He's definitely a hunky boy. And they looked at the dailies and they went, oh, oh, no. It's, it's it's not it's not as intimidating. We need a we need like a swole dude, not a thick dude. We need a swole dude. So they switched gears and went with uh, C.J. Graham. But they kept that and, one scene in the movie. And this is his only movie he does as Jason. He does a fucking awesome job. And there is a fun rivalry, <laughs> uh, a friendly rivalry in real life between C.J. Graham, who plays Jason in Six. And Kane Hodder, who we get for the next four films yes. as Jason. Absolutely. And uh, we may or may not have added a little fuel <laughs> to that fire uh, on a couple of occasions. So, Ash, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but on the spot, CJ versus Kane in a real fight. Who wins? Dude. I, I want to say Kane. Because you know the loser is going to listen to this and be like, oh, that's he, th he thinks that, huh? Well, I want to say Kane, but the fact that, like, I, without looking at their ages, I feel like Kane is older and Kane is actually smaller. But that's not to say that a small guy can't beat a big guy. I make my whole fucking life out of being a small guy beating up big guys. But uh, that's how I used to make money. But I think CJ beats him. I'm I'm with you. I think CJ beats him just because he has military training uh, too, military right? Just yank training. his fucking trachea out like uh, some yeah, road he's trained shit. to kill. Uh huh. <laughs> and I feel like CJ is the type of guy that's like, yeah, that shit never leaves you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like Kane is the type of dude who would get into a bar fight with you and and beat you to death on accident. CJ is the kind Kane. of guy who knows how to kill you. Uh, Kane is yeah. He's the dude who's a. Uh, He's the his, if he didn't have a job he has he would have been a great bar bouncer. Uh, it's his job to maintain peace. Yeah. In a bar, he has to. Uh, his job is to seek out trouble and stomp it out. <laughs> and CJ's role is to uh, fight the urge to kill. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is trained to do nothing but kill. He's not trained to subdue. He's trained to put you down. Major pain dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking killing rats in his hotel room and shit. Um, uh, I, I, it's not a stretch in my mind to see C.J. Graham living that life. <laughs> like, willingly. Not because he has to, but he's like, just 
It's been two whole weeks since I killed Mia, man. Right, hanging upside down, blindfolded, fucking putting his gun together. <laughs> that's what I do for fun. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. Yeah, that's that's probably pretty spot on. Um, but the, a nice dude. Super nice dude. So, um, Oh, both of them are just fucking giant sweethearts, yeah. which uh, just makes makes you just fall in love with them just that much uh, faster and easier. Mm-hmm. Just a, an awesome guy. And he's also a dude who brought, like, an RV on set. Brought his like, own RV. with him. So, yeah, so, like, people that were, like, tired and shit on production, he's like, Go over there and you know crash out in my trailer for a little bit. It's cool. Take a little like take a load off. Like one of those guys that's looking out for everybody kind kind of guys. So yeah. it's like yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Well, so okay, so I I know where you stand, but not not Kane versus CJ unmasked in a fight, but uh, better Jason portrayal. CJ or Kane? Kane. Y- yeah. You're your Kane guy. Uh, I'm also a big Kane guy, but there's something about CJ kind of laying the groundwork for that uh, zombie Jason. It is very Frankenstein. It's not Ken Kurzinger Frankenstein, which we'll get to eventually, because, God, I... No, uh, I feel he's he's a minimalist. He's a very straightforward, like, one mission, one goal minimalist. Mm. And I think Kane took that and was able to just morph it into his, like, wild animal yeah. aspect that he added to it. Yeah, because, yeah, that's the CJ thing is very, like, I don't want to call it robotic. Because I've heard people say that CJ is very robotic, and I don't see a robot. I, I see, a, like, a monster on a mission, you know. All he yeah, wants it, to do is get back to He has his orders. He has. He will go his pace. He will get his shit done at his pace, mm-hmm. and he will not. Nothing will stop him, including a fucking gun blast to the face. Yeah, and he, you know, obviously this is CJ, so we don't have the uh, the head turn and then the body move. We just get. In fact, I don't think uh, CJ's head ever turns in this movie. I think it's no. A, I think it's like a Batman cowl is like that. Yeah, he's got his thing, so he's kind of. Yeah, head and shoulders move together type thing, yeah. which uh, kudos to him for... There's a shot towards the end of the movie where uh, when he's going after Megan, he blows out a window and takes a step down from inside a cabin to the the campground floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the forest floor. The ground. <laughs> and he's... Yeah, the ground. He's got And he's got to do it in one like fluid uh, motion. And he has to blow this window out with his knee, take a step down, take like two or three more steps, and grab Megan's head. Right. All while wearing these tunnel vision fucking mask with the cowl all over it and everything. So, and done it all apparently in one take. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's fucking amazing. Uh, and the end result is top notch. It looks great on film. Um, and he, I just, I really like the way he plays Jason. Um,. I like when he finally gets to the camp and the police are there and how fast he takes out the two cops before he has the uh, final showdown with Sheriff Garris, which is, you know, you already brought it up, but that's fucking hands down one of the best kills in this franchise, at least for me. Maybe that is because I do like that going out on your shield motif. Oh, yeah, that's your M.O., but it's just a... It's a it's a wild kill for he just leaps on Jason, like to tackle him, and then he's just bent backwards and just snap, mm. crackle, pop. Like he's able to scratch his ankle that's by his ear yeah. now when he's done with him. Which, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but if I put like five shotgun rounds into somebody and six revolver <laughs> rounds into somebody, I don't think my next course of action is this stick and this rock should do the trick. Like. That's that's straight up Bill Paxton Predator Two shit there. Like just throw that tennis ball Any, yeah. or ping pong ball at him. Like that's desperation. Anything that's left, yeah, because that's where his uh, character arc, his going out on his shield, actually matters. Is because he's a very strict parent for the whole movie. If your mother was still alive, and you get the you get the impression, you know, because he is a hard ass. You're like, ah, oh, he's kind of a dick bag. 
but then he gets to completely, totally redeem himself by uh, being like, all right, fuck this. Like, you're not taking my he, daughter. Yeah, because he's, he's straight up like he sees what the deal is, and he's like, fuck this, and he's kind of hiding mm-hmm. in the woods. And then once he hears his daughter yelling out and knows that Jason's going for her, that's when he just fucking goes into overdrive being like, the hell you're doing that? Mm-hmm. And he beats Jason's ass for a hot minute, so it's nice. Yeah, he just, he fucking leather faces him with that rock. <laughs> Sorry, little guy. <laughs> you sick fucker! <laughs> Which maybe that should be the franchise we cover next. We'll just tackle the Texas Chainsaw franchise. Oh boy. Um, so, I know it was your brown panty award, but like, your what's your favorite kill in this movie if you had to pick one? Oh, my favorite kill in this. You know, it's, uh, I really, I'm torn between two, because I really like the, uh, when he punches Horshack through the chest, oh, yeah. and he, he's holding his heart <laughs> out back, but, uh, I totally am with, the uh, with Tom McLaughlin, with one of the kills he had to add. And when they're like, you need to add three more kills, is there's this, and it's hilarious at the same time, there's this fucking couple mm. that's doing an engagement picnic in the <laughs> middle of the night. Day for In night, the middle yeah. of the woods. But it's a great, like, a moment where they hear some shit, and dude gets up, and he's like, you wait here, I'm gonna go see what that noise is. <laughs> and he sees Jason, like, getting ready to hack up the caretaker after he's Crazy Ralph jammed a bottle in his 5.0. throat. Yeah, he's going to, for whatever reason, I'm going to hack this corpse up while he's dead down here. <laughs> and he stops and turns and sees the dude. And that, that you can almost feel that your stomach just drop. Mm-hmm. Like, shit, I'm not supposed to be here. It right means like now. a low bass drop for the music. Like, <laughs> And yeah, that dude hauls balls and ends up getting uh, our second shish kebab of the franchise with the machete through both of them on their. Uh, their, their, their scooter. Their fucking Kawasaki <laughs> Ninja, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Kawasaki Ninja bike. <laughs> so I like I like the uh, the atmosphere of that double shish kebab, but I'm always amused by, I don't know, maybe I'm just like, it, I think it's good effects that look good for the time mm. of when that heart gets put, punched out through the back yeah. of Horse Shack. Well, you know, uh, little little uh, uh, look into when we made Tapehead um, <clears throat> when we were plotting there is a heart rip in our movie and I watched Jason Lives and I photographed each frame of how they cut that together uh-huh. and that's I was like that's my favorite heart punch in cinematic history I want to be as dope as Jason lives. So I tried. And that's that's where I was like, it's this shot, this shot, this shot. Okay. Done. <laughs> like Cause it looks good. Even for even today it looks good. But like it, it's added when I'm like nineteen eighty six. I was like, that's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. It is real good. Couldn't even stick the slimy sucker back in right. <laughs> and that's oh my gosh. Talk about like possibly like an honorary mention brown panty award is Horshack tries to save Tommy oh, by yeah. so good. shoveling Jason in the back of the head but man does he get the worst like death as far as like post death mm-hmm. death goes because he gets his heart punched out he falls into Jason's casket which is maggot covered beyond belief spiders all kinds of nasty shit yeah the door slams shut on him and then the caretaker has to rebury him because he just assumes it's Jason in there. So Jason, as far as the town goes, and you can still visit his grave, still there, and they dig it up. There's a corpse there, but it's not Jason mm-hmm. in that fucking grave. I feel bad for Rorschach's parents. Like, <laughs> for Rorschach's parents, whatever. Rorschach. Rorschach, not Rorschach. Rorschach is Watchmen. Yeah. Rorschach is the dude that's in Jason's yeah. grave. I feel bad for Hawes. There you go. Uh, Hawes. Like his family. They're like, well, he went out to dinner with that uh, that nice Tommy boy, and he just never came back. Like They got, like, posters, missing posters and shit, and they'll never find him. They'll never find him. That's well, sick. I thought they were both still, like, in, in an institution, and they both, like, 
ducked out for the night, and that's why. Because then he's saying, like, in the truck, he's like, hey, they'd kill us if we knew we were out doing this. And I think, I, I don't know that they escaped. I feel like they've been released. I feel like they had, like, they're not under lock and key. Maybe they're allowed, like, day passes to, you know, go do stuff, and they kind of, like, we're just going to leave and not come back tonight. Yeah, was that line from Halloween? Like, uh, they just let them wander around now here? <laughs> like, letting them... Pull up to the main gate. Yep. Go on, move. The evil is gone. Tommy is gone from here. Horshack's in the grave. <laughs> He's in the grave. <laughs> he don't know what death is. Death has come to your little lake, Sheriff. <laughs> I'm sorry. We got. Oh Jesus Christ! So and this this movie also has the fourth wall break, mm-hmm. the dreaded fourth wall break, where when he is get, when Horshack is getting buried again in the grave, the care the caretaker looks right into the camera. Some folks got a strange idea. Entertainment. Yep. And that happens uh, a couple of times in the movie. Not not so blatant as the caretaker line, but uh, later we get our, I guess they're comic relief, the couple of kids in the cabin, uh, you know, dead meat. <laughs> what were you going to be when you grew yeah. up? <laughs> um, I feel like those are kind of s- more subtle. Like, they're not quite a fourth wall break, but they are like a wink and a nudge to the audience, you know? Eh, eh. It's it's just like uh, what's her name with Tony Goldwyn when they're in the car and they she slams on the brakes and like any weirdo wearing a mask in the middle of the night's never friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's another straight up kind of line like that and like that's for us. Yeah, and that's again this movie never like it dips its toe in that pool. It doesn't fucking jump in, and thank God it yeah. doesn't jump in because uh, the movie wouldn't be the same. And uh, this has just enough fan service, and I think that's important. Uh, you know, if you guys watch our actual actual YouTube channel, a while back we covered that Elm Street remake. I keep going back to that because that's a lot of, like, that's... We're in franchise territory, so we're just talking franchises. To me, when um, uh, playing to the audience or whatever um, goes a little too far. Like, let's give them a little bit of, let's give the audience a little bit of this. They want this. And then it, it eventually backfires on you if you cross that line too much. And Jason Lives doesn't. They almost do, though, from Jump Street. Like, the closest they get to that line is they do the James Bond oh, yeah. uh, uh, opening sequence where he comes across the screen instead of, you know, turn and shoots the gun. We get a machete slash across the screen. Total James Bond uh, knockoff. Yeah. So that's, they get close. Yeah, right they off. They step of up that. to the edge of that, but thankfully that's as close as they get. They they back way off after that, and it's not like that again. But also, that, op- that opener, I, you know me, I'm a stickler, and I love uh, exterior shots, yes. uh, set decor and stuff. The, the lighting of the lake at night. With how all the trees have that like mm-hmm. blue tinge to them, oh, I love that shit so much. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, the old that day is, for that night is what filter. Crystal Lake looks like to me in my mind's eye all the time. It's just like that. Mm-hmm. Got the blue overcast. Yes. Yep. There ain't nothing wrong with that. It's glorious. Um, Unlike a couple of the day for night shots we get in this movie, oh, yeah. where it's like, why? That's that's not nighttime at all. Yeah, and that's the two on the scooter. When they officially get impaled, that's clearly daytime. Um, and they just kind of put a little blue on it. And that was, I remember either Crystal Lake Memories or one of the special features on Jason Lives, them talking about how they knew they were running out of nighttime. When you start hearing birds chirp and shit, you know, like, Yep. We gotta hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Time is running out. And so that last shot of them on... Because I think there was supposed to be a more extensive gore prop or something to the double impale. Like, supposed to see it poke out the back or something of that nature. But they were running out of time, so they were like, just put some blood in her mouth and let her spit it out. Which looks silly. Yeah, she does kind of do the it's... old... 
yeah, it's on this. It's on the same level as uh, when we get to it in Freddy versus Jason. Oh the, God, the, the the chubby dude is running from Jason, who gets the machete thrown at him, and once it impales in his chest, you get a oh, yeah. out of his mouth, and I'm like, stupid. Yeah, not good. <laughs> stupid, Why'd you do that? Stupid, stupid. Um, so yeah, that like, again, that's all about what your time permits, what you're able to get done, and when you're on a big production. Uh, air quotes, because I don't know how many people were on the cast and crew officially of Jason Lives, but, uh, you know, time is your enemy. You got to go, 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 go. And uh, and it's also filmed out of... Uh, sequence? Not in, like, the... Yeah, out of sequence and not in, like, the time frame that is going on in the movie. Like, every time they're, like, portraying it in summertime. And 90% <laughs> of the time when they're filming it, they're filming in a southern state during the fucking fall and winter. Like, I believe this one was filmed in Covington, Georgia. Probably in, like, September or some shit. Yeah, with, like, we gotta make a fucking summer release, so... <laughs> get shit moving, Tom. Go, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, as, a, as an end result, this movie, top to bottom, start to finish, really fun, really well made. Uh, again, it's a fan favorite for... And I totally understand why it's a fan favorite because it is just so much fun and and very fast paced. So, question then for you, okay? Since this was the third movie with Tommy Jarvis, how do you how would you feel if he uh, went out Nancy Thompson style, like in Nightmare Three in this? Like if this was Tommy Jarvis's swan song movie and he dies at the end of it. How would you feel about that? I think that's okay. I, I think that's fine. I think uh, I think that'd be a good way to end it. Like he kind of holds Jason down. They, you know, and I mean, they almost let him die. Yeah, is he killed? Yeah, and then Megan gets to do the old mouth to mouth and bring him back. But uh, I don't see. I mean, it wouldn't affect anything else. You know. So, because they didn't bring him yeah, back. Yeah, it's for not anything. like he comes back anymore. Unfortunately, comes back for fan but, films. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was just curious. Like, how would you feel if they had killed Tommy there? If he had died with Jason? Well, if he would, to you know, make sure he got taken out. That's fine. Go out on your shield. You know, he if he would is sacrificing himself to make sure that um the lake is safe. That's that's an admirable death. You know what I'm saying? Like that's he's saving these kids. He's saving the next generation of campers. Whatever the fuck. Uh, that's okay. I'd be okay with that. You okay with that? I know one thing that we're not okay with is, yeah, he suddenly decides that instead of burning the corpse, <laughs> he needs to return Jason to the lake because you know he rented the area. He checked out a couple of books at the library and he's reading those on the on the drive to. Uh, to what he's what he's doing mm-hmm. here, and gets this chain tied to a rock around Jason's neck, maybe what forty fifty feet out into the lake. <laughs> all I know <laughs> at is at most I would say fifteen feet deep. I was gonna say all, all I know is the chain. You know what well, we got two feet, <laughs> like. From the rock, so Jason's feet are close to the bottom of the water, but the rock is on the rock is on the bottom. I'm gonna say two feet of chain between the rock and Jason. We'll say Jason's six, just say six foot. So we already we got eight feet right there. He can reach up to somebody that is swimming on the He's surface. He's grabbing so that's Tommy another, almost by the waist. So it's so that's another about four or five feet maybe mm-hmm. between where the top of Jason is to the surface. So, yeah, we're about 20 feet deep of water, maybe. I, I don't even More think More like that. maybe 16. Yeah, I was going to say, like, 15, 16 feet, maybe. So, like, if you did a cannonball into that water, you could just fucking bump You'll, right into that nasty fucking... Your ass will bounce off Jason's mask. Ugh. So, kind of poor planning <laughs> on, uh, on Tommy's part, again, you know, with the fact that... It's... it's it's borderline. It reminds me of Men in Tights when, 
when little John is drowning in the fucking creek. I can't swim! <laughs> Just splashing in a fucking puddle. Like, that. that's what it almost feels like. Like, Jason is gonna die in this little bit of water, which... I mean, he doesn't technically die. No, he's alive the he whole is, time, just waiting. He, Yeah, he's just down there waiting. Even if he gets a boat propeller jammed into the side of his face, which I love that that was a shot they didn't get. And Tom had to go to his parents' house and film that in his fucking parents' pool. <laughs> so his parents' pool is filled with Jason guts and shit from his face all getting chopped up. I was like, ah, that sounds exactly like how we would do oh, it. Oh, yeah, be like, damn, we're missing <laughs> that. Ruin a family member's pool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all about it. Fuck it. Whatever it takes to get the shot, right? Um, yeah, so that is that is cause for concern. That's something you and I have talked about a million times is just how fucking close to the surface Jason really is. And here's the other thing. He's been electrocuted and brought back to life, so he's, like, wicked strong. Like, that's even a thing in the trailer and everything. He's, like, he's even more powerful now. He's, you know, he's punching yep. people's hearts out. He's doing all this shit. He's bending people in half. Yeah, so... To me, it's, like, not out of the realm of possibility that he grabs the chain and, like, pulls himself down to the bottom of the lake and then just power lifter grabs that rock. I mean, if Tommy can carry that rock, Jason can carry that rock. And then just walk on the bottom of the lake 20 feet to his left and fucking, you know, emerge. <laughs> like, just pick up the rock. Just pick up the rock, dude. I, 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 you walked on the bottom of the lake to New York City. You walked on the bottom of the ocean to New York City. Pirates of the Caribbean style. Yeah. So you can do it. I know you can. I got faith in you, CJ. <laughs> but shit. And with fuck it, even if he didn't do nothing, global warming going on, like that lake probably would have dried the fuck up and you get like five feet of uh lake drying up there and he's already halfway sticking out of the water, <laughs> so like just imagine him stuck at the torso just like a fucking dog on a leash <laughs> out in a yard, like you just don't Paddling go into in. his proximity. <laughs> yeah, like there's a circle of buoys around him. Like, don't get in his proximity. He'll grab you and get you. Maybe fucking kids out there throwing rocks at him and shit. <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> Spit wads, yeah. throwing things, yeah. Paintballing him. That becomes the attraction of Crystal Lake is come fuck with the mongoloid. You win a you win a plush plushy if you can hit him on the hockey mask <laughs> with your paintball gun from the shore. Oh my god! See, <laughs> but yeah, it's ridiculous how close to the shore he is. Like, <laughs> it, it it's been a thing you and I have I think both individually theorized on before we knew one another, and then when we became friends in like 2013, 2014. We're like, yeah, that is weird. Like, what's what's going on with that? And I know we've brought it up <laughs> to anyone who will listen to us babble about it. Yeah, th uh, it is definitely something that we discussed in the part six live stream, which we did about a calendar year ago. Mm -hmm. So go back and if you want more of the uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Six, go on back and listen to our live stream. We we covered it uh, in twenty twenty, I believe, around July. I think we did a whole month of. Uh, Jason movies because yep. we we're we we're part of that trend of like the next so many months spell out Jason starting with July August September October November it's Jason yes and he's down there waiting well now that we've spent a plethora of this podcast discussing the movie I think it's time to move on to our next segment evil Next segment, which means uh, we are going to stop praising this movie. It's got enough praise. It's got enough love. It's time to give some pain, some torture, some discomfort. Folding it backwards. <laughs> yeah, we're going to fold this fucker in half like Sheriff Garris. It's time for the Amazon One Star Reviews. All right, I tried to find. I couldn't. I didn't go back to look at the uh, what we said and found for uh, the live stream of this. So hopefully, I'm not repeating any of these. I don't think I am, but uh, it's it's possible. <laughs> so uh, just a couple of them, okay. just a few, not a whole lot. The, so first up, we have Amazon customer. So we're gonna go with the good old Rondell Dale Branch, All right. gracing us with his presence once again He's back. on December nineteenth, twenty fourteen. 
He says one star. Incredibly stupid. Whoa. I think the D key got stuck. Or it's that dude from part five. I want to make Amazon reviews with you. I don't like the parts shit. Oh, stuttering Stanley for life. All right, next up we got Jim Whiteford. Okay. On January 15th, 2000. 21 years Another two-decade-old review. Old as shit. <laughs> one star. It's such a shame. This one is kind of funny, but is pointless. Jason is killing people for no reason. Stupid people. But they're at his lake. Don't matter what you call it, it's still Camp Crystal Lake to him. Yep. Wrong place, wrong time syndrome, man. Yeah. We'll we'll get we'll get to more of that when we get to talking about the game. <laughs> Good lord. Alright. Next up we got Colin McCormick. Alright. On August 9th, 2000. All in caps. One star. Horrible, just horrible. I don't know why so many people thought this was a good movie. The best one in the series is part four. The story was stupid. The acting was even worse. And the end of the saga that began in part four ends here in a stupid love story way where there's suspenseful ending too. Ooh, Jason opens his eyes at the end. I'm so terrified. The opening scene is the only good thing about this one. After that, it's all downhill. Rated R for violence, language, and a sex scene. <laughs> Singular. Well, he's not wrong with part barely. four being the best one. Good job, but uh, you're a dick. <laughs> it's barely a sex scene. Yeah. It's just bouncing, listening to music. <sighs> all right. And we have a return oh, no. for the final one star. If you listen to our previous episode, uh, there was a Amazon reviewer named Weak Heart for Life. Oh no, that, they're back! That gave us a review of part five. He came back oh. for part six. Oh boy! And he is still pissed. All caps pissed. All caps pissed. On July sixteenth, twenty twenty, old Weak Heart for Life made his return and says one star. Wow, from horror to comedy. This should be a shame calling this a Friday the 13th film. I know this filmmakers were going for a funnier side of the story this time, but really? Okay, this time Tommy Jarvis returns yet again from the mental hospital. Again, we never do find out if he killed Pam at the end of part five. No part six stars with Tommy, and his friend is going to the cemetery to dig up Jason. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, why? Because Tommy wants to burn him by pouring gas all over Jason and setting him on fire. But first, he must dig him up to cremate him. Really? And then, then, what about what happens when Tommy is about to burn Jason? It starts to rain, of course. <laughs> Tommy takes a metal fence post and jabs it in a dead Jason corpse. <laughs> then he's about to burn him, and you guess it starts to rain, and a bolt of lightning strikes the corpse of Jason, bringing the dead man back to life yet again. This movie is not scary. I I not know if I should laugh or cry at the end of, at, at at the actors trying to take or trying to act serious and spacking corny dialogue. Spacking, uh, you Sputenheimer. <laughs> That's excellent. Again, everything is in caps. Why the inflection is the way it is, and I believe he is just rage, like typing his his one stars. But hopefully. Uh, Hopefully I can keep finding more Weak Heart for Life <laughs> one stars and hopefully he just continues with the franchise. Follow an Amazon one star reviewer. <laughs> I might. <laughs> I'm going to believe me, when we get to the next uh, the next several episodes, I'm gonna be seeking out Weak Heart I for Life. I would like to know what he likes. <laughs> what is he giving five? He likes part four. He says it in both of those reviews. Well, maybe. He like part four. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good you one. Did you rest with you? They're not good. They're not good at all. So is that the that's the end of the Amazon one star reviews? 
I had to end both of them with Weak Heart for Life because he's quickly becoming a new favorite uh, reviewer, <laughs> and I was so so happy when I was like going through, and I was like, Weak Heart, I remember that. I remember this guy. There he is, man. He's back. The man behind the account. He's even more powerful now. <laughs> <laughs> he's using. Somehow bigger caps lock. I don't know. <laughs> we, tr- we tried to delete him, but he f- but we fucked up. <laughs> That's right. We accidentally gave him admin privileges. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. But uh, now that we're done with our Amazon one-star reviews, I guess that means it's time, Evil. It must be time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! There's a go screw in the booge, hit the noise in the cherries and iron this punk. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Hellraiser! Biggie daggy de boo, Hellraiser! Hellraiser! Biggie baggy de boo! He's literally not saying words right there. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> he hardly ever says words. I have nothing against Lemmy, love Lemmy, love Motorhead, but. I don't know if that man ever knew the lyrics to his songs when he had to sing them twice. Who'd win in a fight, Lemmy or God? Uh, Lemmy is not God because, well, <laughs> uh, maybe neither neither one of them maybe makes sense. <laughs> Trick question, man. Lemmy is God. <laughs> I got these ten commandments that you're gonna follow them. Yeah, uh, I don't have a good Lemmy voice, <laughs> but uh, it is time. Just have someone step on your throat. Well, and I could probably do a little something like this, but I would have to clear my throat. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's no break. Every word is one word. I gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I'll it. work on that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. stand in front of the mirror and practice my lemmy. But you got a really good one. Um, it is time for the prop game, and you know what that means. You got to pick a prop from the movie, but it can't be a super duper well-known prop. Pick something. That's a deep cut. That's just how it is. So, uh, I think you went first last week. I, I believe I did. Or two weeks ago, whatever the fuck it was. Same difference. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, the last episode, I believe you went first. So <laughs> If it's not a live stream, it's a podcast. So we're recording something all the time. Mm-hmm. So every week we're doing something last week. Yes. Um, it's either like who went first on the prop game, who went first on the tie-in. And you and I have covered this movie in many different uh, avenues we've discussed it we've I don't know that we've done a full commentary for it maybe we have not yet we haven't done a full commentary for it but we did do a two hour live stream um, and we do bring this movie up a lot and you have made memes for me uh, you know that pertain to this movie so this prop should come as no shock to you and I might I'm gonna beat you to it if this is what you want but I want Rick's laser for his fucking new gun. <laughs> oh, his monster energy yes, can? Yes, <laughs> the giant monster energy can that's strapped to the top of his gun. It's got to weigh more than the gun itself. It's a fucking giant beast. It looks like he just fucking glued Alexa to the top of his gun. Like it's, It takes like 4D batteries. <laughs> like, what's, the, what's the big square fucking battery? Is that a D? Oh, no, no, no. You're talking like the one that like fits in the whole palm of your hand. No, no. <laughs> like, that's almost like a car battery. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weed whacker battery. Yeah, those go in like the the road, like the road blinker lights. Those big fucking square yeah, batteries. Yeah. That's what's inside of that. Or like he has to wear a backpack with a couple of those run wires to the fucking laser pointer. <sighs> That's not bad. <laughs> I didn't pick that, but that, that that's not bad You want bad the at all. swamp cooler, don't you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, see, I couldn't get the swamp cooler because I'd only get pieces of it. Right. So I'd be like, well, I got a few corner pieces of the swamp cooler. But if I was going to take something that's a, a prop in and of itself, that's, it, that's a whole prop. <sighs> I was kind of torn between two that are kind of silly. But I think I'll go with quartz pants oh nice but i was really leaning towards uh the little uh wormy guy that's part of the uh business retreat that's doing the paintballing is fucking one of his severed limbs that they find (laughs) 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 in 
Because <laughs> you never see that. You see that dude shoot Jason and take off running. We never see what happens to him until Pastori uh, <laughs> literally is like with his flashlight and you just see fucking parts laying in the woods. With the fucking like, oh, knee-high socks off on the outside yeah, of the I fucking want... camo. Yeah, so if I didn't get Quartz pants, I would give me, give me the fucking leg <laughs> of that dude with his big woolly socks and camo pants on. Oh, man, I thought you were going to go with his glasses or maybe a dead headband. But yeah, that's good. Those are good. Uh, I wanted to do something more out of the box than normal. I was also leaning towards Jason's uh, Rambo knife yeah. a little bit that he rams in the skull. But like, yeah, mm. you know what a weird. And I'm also like fucking uh, Tommy's uh, denim jacket with oh, wool yeah. collar. One day we'll. There's a lot of good we'll stuff have, in this one. Yeah, you know what would be a, a really kind of a rad deep cut would be uh, <clears throat> Megan's sketchbook. Yeah. Because she writes him that note and stuff, so that'd be kind of dope to have, but, uh, yeah, that... Megan's car. Yeah. <laughs> I want the, uh, uh, hard... Karloff's grocer's sign. I want the Hard Rock Summer, uh, Alice Cooper cassette that she's listening to when she's evading the police capture. <laughs> how about Megan's pants so we can, like, look in close and see how Tommy was looking at her crotch when he's uh, in her lap. You think she has yeah. the uh, part You two? got her head in the guy's lap, all right. Yahoo. She's got the part two uh, crotch perfume on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And brown panties to match. Yes. Well, now that we've done the Amazon one-star reviews and we've done the prop game, I suppose... That's all she wrote, folks. So I suppose we should probably get going. And uh, I don't even know what I say here. Watch some movies. <laughs> well, we're, we've we've ended six. We're getting ready to enter the Kane Hodder era of Friday the 13th, starting with our next episode. And that'll follow us for the next four films of Kane Hodder coming in and taken fucking ownership of, of this character. Oh my god, so, yes. So we're we're going to be diving into that and uh I'll slightly spoiler you ahead. The next two are the the other two in my holy trinity of my favorite Friday the 13th movies. So 7 and 8. 5, 7 and 8 are my three tops. So we're going to get into very very fun territory uh for me over the next four weeks oh yeah i'm ready man so uh i suppose you guys brush up watch watch part seven and we'll see you guys in two weeks get the whole enchilada <laughs>